turn to Daniel chapter 9. Covenant folks note that uh, at the end of November, uh, we concluded chapter 6 of John in our current series in John, and then throughout the month we had some guest preachers, and we preached on Old Testament prophecies of the incarnation of the second person of the eternal Godhead, our Lord Jesus Christ. We preached on gospel accounts concerning his, his uh, coming as the Savior of sinners to save his people from their sins. And uh, in the past, I've often, those first few Sundays in the new year, preached on topics that are important for the church, just fundamental things that are good for us to, to be drawn back to on occasion. And so this morning and tonight, we're going to be looking at a couple of those passages one is this one, Daniel chapter 9. As you, you already know, it's, it's, it's focused on prayer because Daniel is, is presenting us one of the longest prayers that we have recorded in the Bible. Uh, this prayer, the, the, the actual Lord's Prayer, the great high priestly prayer in Luke chapter, uh, or in John rather, chapter 17. And uh, uh, other than this... Uh, the prayers that are recorded for us in the Bible are generally not very long. Uh, some of you may remember that I wrote a little piece I was asked to write on prayer for uh, Table Talk magazine a, a few years back. And, uh, and, and the whole point of that little piece was we're just called to pray. We're not called to pray long prayers. We're not called to pray uh, uh, great oratorical gems. Of prayers, we're just called to pray, and we're to pray continually. And so Daniel is praying, and we can learn a lot from this. Let's read those first. I'm actually going to read verses one through twenty-three. So follow along again. God's holy, holy word. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us... O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, 
to our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong wisdom, or mercy rather, and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas of mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that's called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin... And the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of our God endures forever and forever. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. Now, give us 
ears to hear. Give us spiritual eyes to see. Illumine our minds. There's nothing, nothing that's dull about your word, but our minds, our hearts are cold and calloused because of sin. So enliven us that we might hear wonderful words from you this morning and that we might leave this place as we ought, more holy, more like our Savior Jesus. This we ask in his name. Amen. I remind covenant folks fairly regularly that that wonderful phrase from John Calvin concerning prayer, and that is that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And I also usually follow that up by saying that's, that's very convicting. If prayer is the chief exercise of faith, by the way, Calvin's not alone on that. Uh, there are quotes throughout John Knox's writings that reflect the very same sentiment. Uh, John Gerardo, 19th century American theologian and pastor, said that prayer is the prime duty of all religion. He went on to say that doesn't matter which religion it is, you'll find in those various religions, even outside in, na- in nature, you'll find prayer as being a centerpiece. And he's right, of course. God put it in us. That's part of the sensus divinitatis, the part of, part of our, the sense of God that's in us as image bearers of God. And yet... It's a difficult thing for us to do. So it's good when we come across these, these prayers in the Bible that help us see what a, a godly prayer is. What a prayer is that God has put his stamp of approval on, if you will. And this prayer by Daniel certainly is, is one of those. The context, the reason I backed up prior to the prayer itself... And to read it is the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. And Daniel says that this took place at the end of those 70 years that Jeremiah spoke of. And that would put us at about 585 or 538, 540 B.C., So that kind of gives us the historical context for this prayer. It's a prayer of Daniel. Uh, It's a prayer that's, that's, that's founded in God's word, but it's set in the context of his, his current situation. Now, if you've read Daniel recently, and many of you who follow any kind of year reading plan, you've read Daniel just recently because Daniel and Revelation come at the end of the year in your reading plans. And if you've read it, you know that Daniel, being in exile, didn't have it real easy. And yet God used him remarkably as a young man. 
a very young man. Uh, I mean, his life began as a teenager in the context of this exile. And God used him remarkably. And here he is praying for God's people. Uh, this prayer you can divide in two parts. I'm going gonna, gonna to subdivide it just for the, 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 the main points that I want us to take away from this and not just get bogged down into the, the main parts of the prayer itself. The first part is, is a confession of sin and guilt. And then the latter part is a plea for God's mercy. This is, this is who we are. We're sinners. These are some things we've done. These are some of the specific sins we've done in sinning against you, Lord. And then he comes to, and so for those sins, we need your mercy. We don't have it within us to fix our problems. Now, we're Americans. We don't believe that. We believe that we have it within ourselves to fix whatever problems may, we may have. That's just the good old American heresy. I mean, way. Right? I mean, after all, here in the United States of America, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, that's a lie. Anyone who's ever said that knows in the heart of hearts they, they can't be. I mean, just because. Katie Hall says, I, I, I want to be 5'10". It ain't going to happen. I could have said the same for my daughter Sophie. It's just not going to happen. Sometimes our national religion seeps into our, our biblical religion, doesn't it? One of the beautiful things about this prayer is that it's a reminder over and over that our sins can't be fixed by anything we say or do. I want to tell you some of your children. Well, this is for all you children. Just because you say you're sorry doesn't fix it. That, that's a good one for us adults too, isn't it? Especially for husbands. Just because we say, I'm sorry. That doesn't fix it. That doesn't change our sin. It doesn't change the offense that we've committed against our wife, children against their parents, parents against your children. We need this good reminder over and over that we're sinners, that we, we persist in sin, and the only hope for our sin is outside of ourselves. It's not in us to fix our problems, our sin. All right, with that, 
There's so much in this passage. I I have to be careful. Let's just stick to the uh, stick to the points. I've already added one, by the way. You need to jot that in. There's number five. Uh, since this was printed, there's number five. It's the theocentric acknowledgement of prayer or the God answer to prayer. We saw that in verses 20 through 23. So just jot that there as your Roman numeral five on the outline that's in, in the bulletin. First thing I want you to see, though, is the corporate importance of prayer. The corporate importance of prayer. This is drawn from the very verbiage of Daniel here as he prays. Did you notice all the we and our pronouns that flowed through almost the entirety of this? Uh, it's probably, probably good for us to be reminded that Daniel lived in the context of God's people. Daniel didn't see himself existing as Daniel. Daniel saw himself existing as part of God's people. And again, that's not the good old American way, is it? We, we're a rugged individualism country. You know? Manifest destiny. Rugged individualism. And the Bible reminds us over and over. I had to remind a person recently uh, out in the community. I've developed a friendship with an unchurched person. And, uh, and, and, and he, he, was, uh, he was wanting to do the individual Christian thing. You know? It's just me and Jesus. We got our own thing going. Uh, that was a country song, but it it fits the American mindset quite well. Uh, that one's better than Bobby Bear's "Drop Kick Me Jesus Through the Goalpost of Life," but we won't we won't go there. Uh, I've often thought I would love to teach a course at at university college university level on the theology of. American country music, and you could do it for any genre of music, really. But country music would really provide a good platform for it. But me and Jesus, that's not biblical. And this passage reminds us of that. Daniel saw himself in the context of the church, the covenantal people of God. And so he prayed. So let me ask you a question. We're not going to linger on this point long. When you pray, do you pray for others? Do you pray we and us? In the family, do you pray we and us? And then when you spread to the the church membership list, do you pray we and us? Or is it me and my and I? Now, there's a place for the me and my and I. In fact, Daniel does that in, in, in the first year of his reign. I, Daniel, perceived all the books of the numbers. I mean, he recognized. Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer. He, he knows he's praying as Daniel. But he moves immediately to the context in which he lives and moves and has his being, and that's the church. 
the covenanted people of God. That's the first thing for us to bring that back into focus for this year. The second, the theocentric impulse in prayer or, or the, the theocentric um, address of prayer, if you will. The impulse is to pray to God. And all the different names of, of the Lord that are used. I prayed to the Lord, verse 4 says. I prayed to the Lord. And if you notice, that's that capital L, lowercase, o, or, 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 or uppercase O-R-D. That's Jehovah. That's the covenant faithful one. But then on down, he says, O Lord, Adonai, the powerful one, the one who is able to do everything I'm asking. And then he couples it, O Lord, our God. So as he's praying, he's, he's expressing his prayer to this God that he knows who is bigger than we usually give him credit for being. He's larger than life. And he's concerned about more important things than a new car or a better car. Though, by the way, God is concerned for us in all things, from the greatest to the least. We confess that as a people. Recognize that we are a covenant people. We are God's own possession and pray to the one who is our God and we're his people. Recognize, too, Daniel's very, very keen on this, isn't he? Recognize that sin is against God. We can't go back through this. We have sinned, verse 5 says, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. That's just one of the several places in these several verses where he says, our sin is against you, God. Now, had they sinned against one another? Sure. But the primary sin and the sin Daniel wanted people to be so conscious of was that they sinned against God. David, in Psalm 51, verse 4, when he's brought to repentance over his sin against Bathsheba and with Bathsheba and against Uriah, and against the people of God. All that was included. All that was involved. Daniel didn't. He had sinned against a lot of people. He had sinned against his army. He wasn't out there with them. That's what led to this whole thing. But when Daniel came to repentance. He said I've sinned against you. And you alone. My God. good reminder for us, isn't it? We think, okay, sin against my wife, sin against my children, I'll ask their forgiveness. And they say, oh, daddy, you know I forgive you. And they hug your neck, and they go running off to play, and all of a sudden everything's okay. But not everything is okay, folks. If the one alone who can forgive sin hasn't forgiven our sin against our children, against our spouse, against our neighbor, 
then we're not forgiven. No matter how we, how we cover it up with, oh, with, you know, we're back on good terms. No. We're, not, we're talking now. Yeah, but are we on good terms with the Lord? Sin is against God. And then he goes into detail to say that sin alone is against God. But then he says, the Lord, again, the theocentric, the God-centeredness. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, my, O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. See, he, he realizes the Lord's the one who has to be merciful. The Lord's the one who has to forgive. That's back to the point I just made with our children. As an example, it's God-centered. This prayer is God-centered. Third thing you see in the outline, the anthropocentric or man-centered initiative in the prayer. Or you might say the need of the prayers that are given here. And there's a number of verses in verses 12 through 15, for instance. Let's just read some of that. He says, he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. That is, he, God, has done this. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what's been done against Jerusalem. As it's written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Now there he is referencing back to those blessings and cursings of the latter chapter of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Where he says, if you will obey me, I will bless you. And he goes through a litany of blessings. He says, but if you disobey me, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. That's what Daniel's referring to. And he says, we didn't obey God. We didn't trust him. By the way, you do know that when you don't obey him, that's just, that's just not trusting him. Sometimes we get into this little th mindset of, well, you know, let's don't do the law thing. Let's don't do the legalist thing. But folks, the reason we don't obey God is because we don't really trust him. We don't believe him at his word. We don't take him at his word, so we don't keep it. So don't make that false dichotomy between faith and obedience. Because if we're not obeying, it just means we don't really believe him. We don't really trust him. We don't really think he's going to take care of us, so we do it. And whatever we have to do to get it done, we're going to do that. Daniel says, no, God, God brought calamity upon us because we didn't believe. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous. In all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice, and now, O oh Lord, in other words, we had no reason not to obey him. He's always been faithful to his word. That's the, that's the killer, isn't it? When we don't obey him, 
and all the evidence out there is that we have every reason to trust him. He's never, ever failed us. Our, our failure in prayer, and again, I'll point out, he, he recognizes he's involved in this. There is the individual aspect, but there's the, the corporate, the covenantal aspect as well. We need something that's not inherent to us as finite and fallen men and women and boys and girls. Do you, do you, do you understand that? We talk about in theology courses, and we should think this way in everyday life, we talk about the alien, our need for the alien righteousness of Christ. What we mean by that is not some outer space, but, but it is outer space, cosmic. We talk about our need is something outside of us. It's something alien to us. It's something not part of who we are as fallen creatures. We need Christ's righteousness. And that's what Daniel's praying for here. He's praying for God to do for them what they can't do for themselves. We've not obeyed you. We've not trusted you. We need you to fix our problems, fix our hearts. That's what this prayer is mainly about. We're looking at it this morning to see what can we learn about prayer and about praying. But this prayer really is about we're sinners and we can't fix our problem and we have to call on God to do it. We need someone outside of us to fix our problem, our sin problem, and that's God. That's what this passage is about. That's what Daniel recognizes. Lord, here we are. We've come to the end of the 70 years. We're about to be, we're about to be restored. And we're still sinners. We still deserve exile. We still deserve your enmity. We need you to do something for us that we have not been able to do for ourselves. That's, that's where each of us have to be, folks. That's where we have to live. That's where we need to live. I can't do anything about my problem. I can't do anything about my problems. We as a church... We can't fix one another. We can love one another. We can counsel one another. We can pray for one another. We can't fix one another. But we know a God who can. And we have a God to whom we can pray who can change us and fix us. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Some of you earlier when I said... We're going to look at the, we're going to confess our faith using the law because we're, as we come to the, the gospel in the sermon and the gospel in the sacrament, and you looked at the title of the sermon, you said, well, this is about prayer. I've already read Daniel 9. It's about prayer. Yeah, but it's about the gospel. It's about the good news. 
that God can change us and make us better than we are. That's our need, is that God would come and do something for us. Daniel believed God could and that God would. And then finally, notice, he ends that prayer. Oh, Lord, hear, forgive, pay attention, don't delay. Why? Because your city and your people are called by your name. Do you you pray that way? Lord, we're your church. And we know that you love your church. And you gave your son for your church. We know that you care about your church. And that you're a God to your people. He is a covenant faithful God. And then Gabriel comes. And what does Gabriel do? I'm going to summarize it. Hey, Daniel. God has already answered your prayer. I'm going to show you a vision of how it's going to happen. That's what verses 20 through 23 are. Daniel, your prayer has been heard. And God is going to to answer your prayer. In fact, he's already answering it. That's a good thing for you parents who have children who may have strayed from the faith or may have never professed to own the faith. And yet they've they've been blessed by being in a covenant community and having the baptismal waters marking them out as, as, as peculiar, possessed people. And we pray and we pray and we pray. And it may be that God's already doing something. And we just don't see it yet. Because remember what this is. Salvation is something that works on the heart and starts here in the heart and finally manifests itself out here in the things of this flesh. So don't lose faith. Don't lose confidence. Keep praying and know that God Here's our prayers. That he will never, ever fail us. When we pray believing, we can expect God to hear and answer our prayers. So let me ask you something. Can we have a better Christian life this year as individuals? The answer is yes. We can't be any more dear and close to the Lord than we already are in Christ Jesus. But we can have a better life. We can live more like Christ. Can we pray better this year than in past years? I hope after hearing this sermon and reading through this passage, you can say, absolutely. If I just use Daniel's prayer as a model and plug in names and faces and Covenant Presbyterian Church and for you guests, whatever your home church is, and do pray for us when you leave today, We can have a better prayer life this year and a more rich one. We can also know that when we pray this way, God's honored. Do you notice this was so God-centered? 
He began with God. I turned my face to the Lord God seeking him. I prayed to the Lord my God. And then the last thing here following up, and God answered him. This is not a formulaic prayer. It's just a prayer from the heart of a man after God's own heart. Your prayers don't have to sound like my prayers. My prayers don't have to sound like whoever. They just need to be from the heart and they need to be prayed with thorough biblical content and this prayer is that. But ultimately I want you to don't leave here without this. This prayer is about me being a sinner, you being a sinner, and God being the one that can take care of our problem. We need him. Father, thank you for this, and we ask now that you would hear our prayer. To make us a better praying people, make us a more God-conscious people, and make us a people who believe that you hear us and that you will do for us all that we need. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.